Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ. 102.1 is the frequency on the FM and my name is Andy. I will be with you for the next hour of community radio, um, trying to talk about the things that really matter, not the things that make money for advertisers. That's what we're about. And Today on the show, I'm going to be doing a bit of a part two of last week's show, which if you tuned in, you will know was about Turnstile Community Hub, the um, sharehouse turned community space in Highgate Hill in Laura Street, which for the last 15 years or so has been running uh, all kinds of community events and has been connecting people in that area and creating a space for people to be able to um, build build connections, build art, build community, build a better world. Now, Turnstile has been told it has to leave. Uh, it's a bit of a complicated situation where they were told the property was going to go on the market and then they... Uh, reached out to the many, many thousands of people who've used it over the years to see what could be done about this and then found people that would be willing to buy it and then were told that wasn't enough, that it actually had been sold anyway. And so that's where Turnstile's at and it is coming very much to an end now. I think people have to move out at the end of this month. There is an event on this Sunday night um, at Turnstile, which is 10 Laura Street, um, from 6.30 to 7.30, there'll be a vigil for, you know, to come together and mourn, I guess, but also to celebrate and plan the future. And um, so you're welcome to come to that. If you don't know much about Turnstile, you will know more by the end of this show. Um, and you can also, as with all shows on 4 Z, you can go back and listen to last week's show on the website, which is 4zz.org.au. But anyway... This week on the show, I'm going to be talking to a bunch of different people who used the space for different things, um, how it felt, uh, what what it meant in their lives and for the for Brisbane as a whole, and how it feels, I guess, with this era kind of passing on. And so, uh, I will speak to Michael Bentley, who was a key in the bike workshop part of turnstile and was one of the founding members and we also talk about the beginning of the laura street festival with him i talked to hanukkah zacharad who is 
who was a musician or is a musician and was part of running that Laura Street Festival as well. Reuben Wheat about the organic local food co-op that still happens every week and has for 11 years at Turnstile. Uh, we talked to one of the neighbours, John Cavalleros, and then I will talk to Nelly, who is one of the current uh, residents, about what it's been like to an experience familiar to so many of us to be told by our landlords that we have to leave and we get no say in the matter. So that's what's coming up over the next hour. Stick around. Uh, It's a great story. I've really uh, been really enjoyed uh, recording this history. It's it's a sad ending to Turnstile, but it's been really powerful recording the stories of this space and I've got more as well (laughs) that I didn't fit in last week or this week so um but anyway we might start off with hearing from Michael Bentley who many years ago sat down with his housemates and came up with a plan of starting a social space of some kind or another underneath their lovely uh timber Queenslander in Laura Street could you start off by introducing yourself uh yeah my name is Michael Bentley and I was one of the, I guess you could say, one of the original inhabitants of Turnstile from back in the day. So, um, we're doing a bit of a history of Turnstile, and you are a person who has the insider knowledge on how it all started. Can you tell us a bit about the origins of Turnstile? Yeah, that's a good question. Many, many years ago, I was wanting to move in the West End area, and I found a ad for a room in a share house for $60 a week, I believe it was back then. And I moved in, and that was the house that's now Turnstile. And then it was a few years after that that we ran the Students of Sustainability Conference in Brisbane. And one of the things we did at the conference is we fixed up a whole bunch of old bikes for people to ride around the conference. Another thing we found at the conference is that we found it really hard to find a meeting space to meet for grassroots organisations where we can organise And so after the conference, we kind of tried to create that under a house. So we created a little bit of meeting space. We took back all the bikes we fixed up, moved them under the house. And they kind of ran side by side for a while. And then I actually moved out and went travelling. And it was while I was away that actually became Turnstile itself. So I'm probably not the best person to ask on that moment. But from the stories I hear, it grew to the point where the friends of ours rented the house next door as well and combined the two of them. And it, it just expanded from there on. So what year, SOS was what, 2006, was it? I think so, yeah. Were there other inspirations of spaces like Turnstile or like black spaces or whatever that helped to inspire making this space? Yeah, well, from the bike perspective, at the time, Friends of the Earth had a bike cooperative down down near the river. And at the time, and we, they gave us a lot of assistance in... in Um, sourcing and fixing up the bikes for the Students of Sustainability Conference. But there was a bit of rumours at the time that there had been a bit of a hostile takeover-ish of the cooperative and it was becoming a bit more of a a shop and a bit less of a cooperative and was kind of separating its ways with Friends of the Earth. So I guess we tried to fill that gap in the community where somebody can come and work on a bike with no knowledge, learn the knowledge and with not much money. And political spaces like that or combining residential and public spaces, were there other places that you knew of that helped inspire that? I guess there were a lot of spaces. Nothing exactly like that. But I think the beauty of all the spaces, Turnstile included, 
is they became very organic. So they kind of grew out of their own needs and their own resources. You did live there for quite a few years. You were there at the start and, as you say, you went away, but you did come back and live there for a few years. So you would have seen it uh, develop as it went. Did Turnstile change and adapt? Always. I think that the ability of any successful community organisation or project or anything is its ability to adapt to, to its own circumstances. And I, I think the beauty of Turnstile is because there isn't a dominant figure or a dominant organisation running it. It is what its residents and its members and its community, it's, it's um, the people who put energy into it are what a Turnstile is. And therefore it's always different. We went through so many different different phases and styles and so many different groups came through and different things happened and from like a time where we were having music conference every weekend and like a few times during the week putting on music festivals in the street to times where it was very like art based and creative based and had definitely lots of different phases. Do you have any sort of best memories to you that sum up Turnstile? I mean, one of the memories that really sticks with me is the first Laura Street Festival we put on. From my experience and my time there was really the peak of like showing the success of how well Turnstile become a community organisation. At the time, we had a lot of people putting on fundraiser gigs under the house and we've become really quite well known in the street in the local area and in the whole like, like the suburb itself. So we're getting to know a lot of different musicians. And I remember being in a gig at one point with a couple of the other residents who were with me and a musician, when we were talking about like how many times we were putting on gigs, and we are like, we should put on a music festival at Turnstile. That'd be, that'd be so funny. And then a friend of ours who was a musician walked by and we're like, you know, blah, 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 if we put on a music festival at Turnstile, will you play? And he's like, sure, I will. And I'm in three bands and I'll play. And then another friend who was a musician walked by and we're like, if we put on a music festival, will you play? And from that moment, from within a month... We'd organised a music festival in the street where I believe we had 10 houses involved in the street and I think we had almost 40 acts play and like the full day and everything was free. And just the way that the community, the street and everyone came together to assist and so many people who would never expect would be like, you could use our backyard to put on a stage, you could do this, we can come and help. Yeah, I think that was a, definitely a peak moment for me. Yeah. Is yeah, I remember, it. and it was incredible. I think it really showcased what's possible for just grassroots DIY organising of things to an event of that scale to just be done with yeah, no money, no advertising, no council regulations, any of those things. It was like, well, you can really do amazing things. For sure, I completely agree. So that was a, a happy memory. Um, with the neighbours and obviously that hasn't always been that way i guess do you have any thoughts on how turnstile interacted with the other residents you know next door and in laura street i think we did pretty well interacting with the other residents in laura street i do remember we had did have an issue at one point where there was someone in the house in the neighborhood and was quite was apparently getting annoyed with us with the music and so forth and so was calling the police on us every night we didn't realize was who it was and it was actually other neighbors that came to us and were like told us who it was and we went to talk to her and we were like well what could we do to to come to an arrangement because what we do we think is really good and a lot of people think is really good but we also think you have the right to live there and and enjoy your space and we and we came to an agreement that we 
very beneficial in the end. And I think they even got a bit involved with their kids in some of the events that went on there. Now, you maybe can confirm this story that I remember hearing at one point about when the house next door, number 12, went on the market and there was a bit of a worry. Turnstile was new and just budding and there was a worry that the wrong kind of neighbours could kill it off. And so I have heard that during house inspections for the next doors, Turnstile did a bit of vetting by having naked tea parties in the backyard while their house inspections going on. Is this true? That is a very good question as well, Andy. I have to say I wasn't around at the time. And I have heard other stories, very similar, but other stories, so I can't tell you which ones are true. But I do know <laughs> that it is true that two different groups of friends of Turnstile put in a bid to rent that house. And there were definitely events going on to try and discourage other people from renting the house. For sure. Whether it was a naked tea party or pretend domestics in the street, uh, I couldn't say which ones are true. <laughs> okay, well, you would be aware, even though you're a long way from Turnstile at the moment, that um, of some of the, the dramas and Turnstile at this stage, it looks like coming to an end. Um, I guess as somebody who was there for the beginnings of this, how do you feel about both the fact that it's gone on for so long and taken on so many different incarnations, but also the fact that it's ending now? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it, Andy, I've got to say. I, I, I'm deeply saddened to see it ending because I think it's an amazing institution that's had so many, so many different lives in itself and does such good in the area where it is. But also, I think everything has a life lifespan and everything has to come to an end. And I think one of the beautiful things about Turnstile, it, the space is very useful, but it isn't the space. It's the people that's involved in the space. So I hope that it... It has another life form in a different space, maybe not even the same name or maybe not even the same format, but at least like the people who are involved don't lose touch and, and keep creating good things. Anybody and everybody can create anything like that just by putting a bit of energy into, into their own space around them and their community around them. And I hope that many other examples of it are created around Australia and the world and that the example that is there lives on in some form or another. Yeah, and that was one of the beautiful things about it was that it was just people using what they had to try to create community, you know, and it, it wasn't anything amazing. It, it didn't come from a big organisation or a big grant of money or anything like that. It was just anybody in any house can do this, eh? That's right. That was one of the beauties of it. It was we didn't ask for permission and we didn't need the right resources. We just tried to get what we could, found it, borrowed it, was given it and may do and if we didn't have it we created it all right thanks heaps michael no worries andy thanks for the call um hanukkah zacharad is her last name these days um was somebody who's living like a lot of people actually i've interviewed for these couple of shows living elsewhere in the country at the moment um but was uh, a key person in Turnstile for a while, uh, organising events, playing gigs there. And I did speak to Hanukkah um, about, I guess, the role Turnstile played for the music community in West End uh, because when I thought of musicians that made a home at Turnstile, she was definitely one that 
um, came to mind. And so let's have a listen to Hanukkah now. Can you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, my name is Hanukkah. I am a musician and a teacher. I uh, am currently living up on the Sunshine Coast, but I, in 2010, at the end of 2010, I moved to Laura Street. And it was, um, it was kind of like this beautiful realization of a dream. Um, I was really into community, really into actively making community happen. I was a frost community. All I did was talk about community and how it was the answer. And so it was just like such a dream come true to move to Laura Street and find myself amongst so many, I don't know, inspired, divine, like-minded beings that were already like 10 steps ahead of me and actuating the vision. And it's just, yeah, it was beautiful. What's your first memory of Turnstar? <laughs> I have some really special memories. Um, I rocked up there. Uh, it was uh, it was Michael and Co. They were at Paul was there as well, actually. The original housemates rolling around fixing their bikes. In that in that same session, I just I learned so much about bikes or just the practicality, and they kind of showed me around. I don't know, kind of cast lots of visions and all the things that they wanted to do. I think it was at that moment as well I was introduced to kombucha, <laughs> which changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it was a good first day. Now, in your capacity as a musician, you played a lot of gigs at Turnstile, um, organised a few. What did Turnstile mean for the musical community of West End? So, yeah, I, I was part of a organizing crew the first the first crew that did Laura Street Festival which was um, which was organized out of Turnstile we'd up until that point me and Turnstile we'd we'd done a few fundraisers and put a few events on and everything and I think I'd because when we started Laura Street Festival I think it also put Turnstile on the map for for the rest of West End it's uh, I think that as a musician it kind of united and sort of ignited that idea that you you become a musician because you want to make the world a better place pretty much the majority of musicians who are musicians just they yeah they don't they want to do something really positive in the world and they want to make the world a better place they want to see freedom and they want to see people uniting under a common cause and um and i guess turnstile represents all of those things now i've been thinking a lot about turnstile memories recently and i remember one gig that you did especially where rather than getting up on the stage with your guitar or whatever you actually joined the audience and led this uh, collaborative choir with everybody that was in the room um do you feel like turnstile as a space encouraged that kind of experimentation or that kind of collaborative communal artistic process yeah, I reckon it did. And I wasn't the only one that was using using the space to change up the status quo. Um, I think that way that Turnstile really... Uh, like, it's kind of, you know, anarchistic. It was... Um, I don't think that everyone who's been a part of Turnstile would subscribe to, to anarchism uh, the same way that I do or other members do, but I think that the values of self-determination, of autonomy, of we ourselves, we're the ones that are creative, we're the ones that have the opportunity to go and make something of ourselves. I think that because Turnstiles grew out of those kind of um, ideas, 
that meant that creative cup is being given back to everyone, that everyone has has contributions, has things to offer. Um, I love this idea. I love that uh, all of us being empowered, all of us actually being able to contribute to stuff, not just a, the the teacher versus the audience. Like it should be circular. It should be everyone getting involved. And I think because because Turnstile's big, its beginnings came out of that autonomy and self-determination and everyone, you know, coming together as equals. Um, yeah, I think that that facilitated some really rich um, experimentation and cross-discipline, multidisciplinary, you know, events and moments and collaborations. Yeah, super beautiful. The way that people over the years in so many um, different settings have come together in creativity and in in kind of like dreaming and designing the world. How could how it could be if we didn't have these you know presupp- presupposed conditions for how it needs to be? It's super beautiful. Mm. I loved that gig. Yeah, that moment seemed to me to be kind of symbolic of something of the anarchistic nature of the space, but also just the possibilities because it wasn't a commercial space. You didn't have to get so many people through the door or make make so much money or anything like that. Oh, yeah, what a blessing. What a huge blessing. Like, such a great model that the base costs could be covered by people who are simply renting and then suddenly there's a space that's available. And that willingness, like, just to think slightly differently opens up so many doors for opportunities. It's huge, absolutely huge. Well, at this stage, Turnstile's days are very numbered. Um, How does it feel for you as somebody who was quite involved for a long time to see this era coming to an end? Uh... I've, I've had my very militant activist days where I've uh, wept profusely <laughs> over trees being cut down and, you know, all of the, all of the BS that, that kind of goes on in um, gentrification and corporatization and, um, you know, and the greed. There's just so much greed of uh, people being able to uh, justify their greed, that they're, they are justified in asking for more or asking for exorbitant amounts of money and but the thing is you can't trap a heart you know like they can take the building away the turnstile building away for sure and like that's the end of an era in that particular space but you can't trap our hearts thanks hanukkah you are welcome andy hanukkah speaking um about the Laura Street Festival, which was organised, a large-scale community festival that ran, has run in Laura Street for a number of years, as well as other gigs, fundraiser gigs. There were some huge events there, as we talked about last week, some of the big fundraisers. Um, I should say, at the very top of the show as well was Michael Bentley, who was one of the founding uh, members of Turnstile, and we talked about some of the different things there that went on in the space, including the Black Workshop, which, of course, is an iconic part of Turnstile, why so many people have gone there over the years, and about the festival and uh, some of those fundraiser gigs, political groups meeting there, and all those kinds of things. Uh, If you have just tuned in, Turnstile, the house slash social space, is being evicted, sadly, 
Um, the place has been sold, and despite the best attempts of the Turnstile community, they have not managed to um, hold on to that space. And so I've been trying to record a bit of the legacy, um, a bit of the story. I think it's an incredible story of people who just decided that um, they would use the resources at hand to try to create community where they were. Um, and it's gone through multiple generations that's survived in a way that so many community groups can't do to uh, keep on going when the initial founders move on to other things. Um, and so uh, as for posterity, but also to try to inspire other groups, I think I've been trying to capture some of this story. Uh, and so I'm going to keep playing different groups um, or people that are part of this story somehow. Now, one person that I thought of as a great user of Turnstile is John Cavaleros. John lives a couple of doors up from the house there and I would see him at all kinds of events there over the years um, and so I paid him a visit this week to go and chat to him as a long long-term resident of Laura Street about what the house has meant for him and what it's added to the street. Can you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name's John Capillaris. Uh, I live at uh, 16 Laura Street with my mum. And how long have you lived in Laura Street? Oh, 51 years. <laughs> That's a pretty long <laughs> stint. <laughs> so, Turnstile uh, has been a, a few doors down from you for the last 15 or so of those years. Can you tell us your first memory of encountering Turnstile? Yeah, there were some nice uh, young men there. Uh, a guy by the name of Paul Hood, Michael Bentley, another nice young lady, Susie Barker. And, uh, yeah, they used to sort of wave their hands from the backyard and to say, come on down, come on down, meet us, come to our gigs, fundraiser gigs. And it was all good. It was good. And I, I made the effort. I made the decision. I joined them and the rest is history. And I've been a member so far of, of the actual food co cooperative night for about nine years and three months. But I used to go to the gigs before that. Years before that, yeah, got to know everyone down there. Do you have a favourite turnstile event that you can remember? Uh, lots of favourites. Uh, yeah, many, many. The uh, the Laura Street festivals once a year. That was fantastic. And lots of the gigs that used to go on a turnstile regularly, often, maybe every six weeks or so. Yeah, since about 2009, I think. Yeah, I'll miss those. They were very nice. The atmosphere was just wonderful. The music, the food, the drinks, the people, it was just wow. So it was just one house, Turnstile, in this yeah. street, but it did tend to affect the whole street, especially with those Laura Street festivals. I mean, you've been in Laura Street both for a long time before Turnstile and after. How do you think that house being there affected the street? Well, yeah, it's a community vibe, just generally. Uh, people sort of um, connected with the, with the community hub here at Turnstile, number 10, and I think it changed a lot of people's lives. How many, I'm not sure, but I'm sure many people up and down the street were positively affected by it. I, I, I for one, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all the, um, uh, yeah, all the gigs there, and yeah, some people were me uh, became members up and down the street on food co-op night, and more, yeah, there, many things were on offer here, like free... Um, yoga lessons as an example and yeah film nights and it's just beautiful i'll never forget it it was a wonderful era do you think that having the festival here and things like that meant that you got to know other houses in laura street in a way that you wouldn't have without it oh yeah no doubt yeah that's that's true probably wouldn't have met my neighbors other people from other streets uh, arriving at the, the festivals 
Yeah, that was good. Those festivals were wonderful. Just once a year, but you could, I used to look forward to them. Mm. Hanging on for the whole year to, you know, be a part of it all. And more, much more. Used to go on the turnstile. Wonderful stuff. Mm. Yeah, all the, all the gigs, especially. So, turnstile is coming to an end yeah. um, very soon. Yeah. And it's uh, sad for a lot of people who use it. How, how do you feel, I guess, with the end of turnstile yeah. in Laura Street coming up? I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, yeah, it's sad that they're moving somewhere else. I'll miss them a lot because they're very close by, just 50 metres away from my house. And, uh, yeah, sort of a sense of uh, injustice that such a beautiful community hub, just suddenly it's no more, around these parts anyway. Yeah, and that's, that's just doesn't feel right, you know. But it was just too quick. Everything was just too quick. It was kind of shocking. <laughs> I hope uh, Turnstile can re-establish itself, uh, maybe very close to my street so I can stay as a member. And, and stay connected to them yeah and i hope it, it, it gets better and better this is just a temporary setback all right thanks very much john it's all right that is John Cavaleros there. Not all Turnstile's neighbours have always been completely appreciative of the events that go on there. Often there's a, a lot of people there taking up the parking spaces in the street or sometimes loud gigs. But certainly uh, John was an enthusiastic supporter, as you just heard. And so when it came to running those Laura Street festivals, just the number of houses in the street that would volunteer their own houses, their own private space to be a part of this community event was just testament to the way that um that turnstile built community in the area where they were um now one of the things john talked about there was the food co-op that happens there weekly and has for over a decade um i spoke with reuben wheat who was part of starting the turnstile bulk buyers food co-op um let's have a listen to reuben could you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, my name's my name's Ruben. I have been a member for the with the Turnstile Bot Buyers Co-op for eleven years now. We've been going, and I've been asking everybody this: What's your first memory of Turnstile? Uh, the first ever memory was Turnstile. I went there to fix a bike. Not too long before the co-op started, um, probably a couple of months. I was working with Michael Bentley, who was a, a former resident of Turnstile, um, and I had a bike that needed fixing. He said, "Look, come on down. We've got a we've got a bike shed, we've got all the parts, blah 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 blah." So yeah, I went down and sort of quite amazed at, at what was going on there. And then, not long after this, you were part of starting the Turnstile Bulk Buyers Food Cop, which has been one of the longest running. Uh, projects at Turnstile along with that bike shed. Can you tell us um, a bit about the food co-op and how it got started? Yeah, as I said, it's probably about 11 years ago now. Um, we There was a bunch of us working at Food Connect who they supply all our, all our food still. We buy wholesale from them. And we were, getting a, we were getting a box from them, but the box scheme wasn't really working out for us. And so we sort of, you know, we're having a chat and sort of said, "Well, let's start a co-op. Let's see how that goes." So, yeah, we um the first the first buying night there was maybe six of us there, and it was um it was was not at Turnstile. Um, it was at someone else's house, and then the second night 
the second week that we started buying, we moved over to Turnstile and, and it's stayed there ever since. But it was basically just a group of us who sort of wanted to to access um, organic, local, I guess, ethical food at, a, at an affordable price and that um, that seemed like a really good way to do it. Were there other models that you'd seen that inspired setting up this kind of buying in bulk and then dividing it up amongst people? No, not really. Not really. Um, nothing that I had seen and I don't I don't think the I guess the others that were involved in sort of the setup had but um, we sort of as far as I understand, you know, from my experiences we, we kind of just winged it, sort of found our way through it. It did um the the co op grew fairly organically, you know, as I said, there was maybe five or six of us at the start and then a few more people came and a few more people came and we just sort of had to keep adapting the model as more and more people came. And Turnstile obviously is a key part of um, this food cop. It's not the only part now as it's grown, but how does space like Turnstile facilitate setting up a group like this? Oh, it was it was um, absolutely integral. Like, I, it, it wouldn't have got to where it got to um, if it wasn't for Turnstile. It was it was really great to just have a space to base ourselves. We sort of, you know, we knew that every every single week we could turn up there and, and, and it would be on. They also have a, you know, they've got a large space under the house there and, and at some point when the, you know, when the co-op had grown to sort of a reasonable size, we started to buy some dry goods in bulk and, and they said, look, you can have this corner of the of the under the house there to set up your, your dry goods area. And so, you know, we sort of built some shelves and and it, it just allowed us to sort of expand Um and also, I think it was a real a lot of a lot of people kind of knew knew of Turnstile independent of the co-op, and and they sort of came along to the co-op because of that. It certainly grew from that initial handful of people um, to being at times it was huge, packed mm. under there uh, yeah. on a Wednesday night, and then eventually other groups started up around the city. Um, how did that process go of it expanding? I think it just kind of happened organically, as I was saying, that it um, more and more people just kind of heard about it. It was it was really just by by word of mouth. We 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 didn't advertise. Um, it wasn't really a um, a conscious sort of decision to sort of say, oh look, we gotta we gotta grow this this thing. We need more people. It just it just happened organically. People just people heard about it, and you know they'd come along and sort of think, oh yeah, that looks like a good idea, and they join and. Um, I know, I know definitely of one, two, probably three that grew out of Turnstile. Um, I was involved in setting up one, the Tuesday Collective. Um, we sort of, there was, there was a group of us again who were involved in Turnstile and, and sort of wanted to try out a pre-order system. Yeah, we, we created a splinter group and that, that's, that's still going today. And there's a there's been a few groups that have kind of, I guess heard heard about us and 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 what we were doing there, and they've kind of come to check out the model. Um, there's one down in Ipswich, Ipswich Good Food Co-op, I think it is. Um, they sort of heard about what we were doing, and they um, they sort of came and had a look, and we had a we had a bunch of discussions with them about you know the best way to do it, and um, and they they sort of went off, and they're they're still going strong. Um, they've actually incorporated another, another proper co-op. Out of the turnstile, the turnstile model, there was some. One of the guys was a a web designer, and so he created some software specifically for for us at Turnstile and the the co op called Let Us Share, and and he's you know he's sort of since created himself a little business by 
using the software for specifically for co-ops. I think he's definitely the few in Brisbane use his software, and then there's I think there's a couple in New Zealand and a few around the place. So Turnstile is uh, imminently coming to an end. Um, I assume that the bulk buyers co-op will keep going in another location, but I guess how does this feel, you know, this era coming to an end? It's really sad. It's really sad um, because Turnstile's, Turnstile's been, our, been our home for 11 years. Um, you know, that's that's the only place that the co-op has really existed um, and it's, you know, the the Turnstile space is such a, you know, it's it's a real community hub, as the name suggests. Um, there's there's a lot of things that kind of revolve around it. Okay, thanks. If people are interested in uh, the Bulk Buyers Co-op as a way of sourcing um, local organic food at a affordable rates, how can they do that? Uh, the best way is probably through our Facebook page, which is um, just search Turnstile Bulk Buyers and you should find us. All right. Thanks heaps, Ruben. Thanks, Andy. Ruben Wheat talking about the Turnstile Bulk Buyers Food Co-op, which uh, has run there for many years. Uh, there's been all kinds. There's so many different groups. There's a capoeira group that currently meets at Turnstile and does uh, Brazilian dancing there and just um, the amazing range of things that can happen when you open up a space that people can use. And the last interview I'm going to play is with Nelly, who's one of the current residents there, who is about to be on the lookout for a new house, or he's already on the lookout for a new house. Um, And so I did speak to Nelly about um, that aspect of it, about the fact that it is a house as well that has been moved on. So let's have a listen to Nelly. Can you start off by introducing yourself? Uh, Yeah, I'm... My name's Nelly, and uh, I've been a resident at Turnstile for the last two years. What's your first memory of Turnstile? Um, so my first memory of Turnstile was, strangely enough, I, I interviewed for the house when I was in Adelaide. So I didn't know anything about Turnstile, anything about what this place was. And I hadn't been to Brisbane before, and I just landed here in this incredible community, and it was just, I don't know, serendipity it was perfect um knowing no one and then all of a sudden just being like smack bang in the middle of a community um with shared values and so much going on was it a bit of a shock when you turned up and found people using the basement for different community groups no i mean that was explained in the interview and i you know i had a look at the website and kind of got a vibe for it definitely wasn't a shock um but it was definitely unlike anything that I've experienced um, as a renter. And after you'd been there a little while there, um, I think a bit of talk about the old days of Turnstile and something that hadn't happened for a few years was the Laura Street Festival. And you were part of reviving the Laura Street Festival last year. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah, so um, for anyone who's been into the Turnstile toilet, they'll know that the walls are just plastered with beautiful hand-drawn posters of all these different amazing events that have happened at Turnstile um, that span like a decade. And a lot of those posters are about the Laura Street Festival. And so I'd be sitting there weeing and reading these <laughs> all these different posters and I was like, what's this vibe? Um, and yeah, the, the conversation obviously came up. 2020, as we all know, was a bit of a 
hot mess. Um, so, it, and I had only just moved in, so I wasn't really ready to, to do that. But by 2021, I, I, I really felt part of the community enough to, to initiate something like that. We started out by inviting everyone who had lived at Turnstile and everyone who'd been involved in previous Laura Street festivals to a potluck, just having a general chat. And then the snowball started rolling and then, it, you know, at the end was the festival and it was amazing. Yeah, it was remarkable how much it was exactly like the the old festivals, really, and the vibe of it, and just the um, the way the street had, was just transformed into amazing, friendly DIY festival. It really was um, a beautiful thing, and showed, I guess, the the way that these things can sustain. You know, people moving away, people not always the same people being involved, but that given the opportunity, things will survive and people will still keep coming out and making these things happen. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the sort of one of the special things about Turnstile is is that we have these shared values and the idea of a community festival where everyone just brings their energy and whatever it is that they want to bring, um, you know, that isn't profit-driven. So we have talked a lot about, you know, the different groups that use Turnstile and things like the festival. Um, But, of course, it's also a house. And so it's worth remembering when a space is being evicted that that is also a house and that renters have very little power over how to mould a space into somewhere they want to live in and be there for a, a long time. So can you tell us what's it been like the last few months with the news that Turnstile was going to have to be moved on for somebody living there? Quite, quite frankly, it's been one of the most stressful and emotionally draining times of my life. You know, on a very personal level, I've done things like really worked on the vegetable garden. I built a shed in the backyard. You know, I mean, we should know as renters that <laughs> we don't we don't get to we don't get to make our homes the way we want and keep them. That's not what the system is, is it? Um, that's only a luxury for people who are privileged enough to be able to afford a home. There's, you know, been the stress of uncertainty as we went through this community process of possibly buying the property and then having acquired a deceptive landlord who would say one thing to our faces and then that eventuated into nothing. You know, that was an incredibly difficult experience just on a, you know, interpersonal level. We've had the stress of now having to to find a new home and there's a pandemic going on and prices have skyrocketed. Um, there's a stress of, as creatives and people who who do a lot of unpaid work having to find a space that we can afford and be able to continue doing the community work um, without having to get a full-time job and then therefore no longer to be able to do these activities. So there's so many different things that have just compounded in a massive amount of stress. Um, Finding homes for all the stuff here, wanting to continue the space but, you know, carrying that... um, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty rough time. A lot of people, I guess, will have sadness around Turnstile, will miss it, and some of the groups, you know, won't be able to have that, you know, a space to do those things. But for you, it's a very basic thing about having a place to live. What's next for the residents of Turnstile? So 
the residents of Turnstile and um, some other people in, in our community um, are looking to, to start a, a new share house with Turnstile underneath and we have been looking at properties. Um, but it's this really challenging thing because, you know, Turnstile's been running for 16 years at 10 Laura Street. Relationships that have been built on this street in this neighbourhood have been so ongoing. They have developed over time authentically and organically and that's not something you can just sort of move into a house and transplant um it's really hard to just move in and sort of say oh we're a community hub and we're going to be having activities and uh yeah <laughs> like and that's not how we roll so now we're finding ourselves at the beginning of this journey again and even though you know there's some sort of exciting elements of that there's also this sort of overarching exhaustion of okay we're signing a 12-month lease what happens when the next landlord decides that they don't have enough money and they just want to turn a quick buck what happens when that landlord at the end of our 12-month lease decides to increase our rent $100 which they can do we're completely at the mercy of people who just want to make money and we just want shelter and we just want to, to live our lives and create art and to have somewhere safe and cool home, just like everyone else does. But our needs and our wants have no value whatsoever compared to the desires and needs and greed of an investor. Yep. Well, that is, I guess, the um, economic story of the what's happened to Turnstile. Um, but there is thankfully so many other stories that are that weave in together as part of this tale um is there anything else you want to leave us with nelly it's nice to leave on a positive note after going on that rant um i think that as far as you know this the sale of the house goes and and everything that's happened um important going forward to remember that this community isn't defined by a house um and that the relationships that are forged are, are so much more important and so much bigger than um, this space. And it, it's just it's just a house. Um, we we're so lucky as a community, and we will we will continue to to make art and and create and find spaces for community wherever we go. Okay. Thanks, Nelly. Thanks, Andy. That is Nelly, one of the current housemates of Turnstile. Um, hope you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks of exploring the past and the legacy of Turnstile and what's going on there. Um, and I hope it inspires other people to go out there and make a difference, build community in the places where you are, look creatively at the space around you and what it can mean. One of the reasons I keep asking people their first memory is that one of the powerful things about Turnstile was it really did open you up to other possible worlds when you walked into this space and you thought, wow, under, imagine under every house you could do this and and the connections that came from that place and all kinds of things. So it's a uh, a sad, a story with a bit of a sad ending, or current, it's not the ending, a bit of a sad moment at the moment, but a lot of powerful things along the way as well. And I'll give one last plug to there is a vigil happening outside Turnstar at 10 Laura Street this Sunday night, 6 30 pm. If you have been involved in the space and you want to come along, um, 
I guess say goodbye to it, get together with people, talk about what's next for that community, um, come along to that. And yeah, there's there's no end to the creative spaces and community responses and things that we can create. It's all up to us. And so the next chapter is unwritten. Um, that is all we have time for on the Paradigm Shift. See you next week.